This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically-minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. In the transmission of the lamp, we read that a young novice monk approached the third patriarch saying, Pray, Master, of your mercy, allow me to beg you for the teaching of emancipation. Patriarch said, Who put you in bondage? The young monk said, No one has put me in bondage. The patriarch then asks, Why do you seek further emancipation? When I wrote about this case and nothing is hidden, I focused on the question of emancipation and particularly on the notion of what unconscious forces we could imagine at work in the young monk that made him feel so tied up. Today I might like to look at it from a slightly different direction starting with his question listen to the words of it pray master of your mercy allow me to beg master might ask where did you learn to talk like that? <laughs> right? It's just it's a model of obsequiousness, right? And it, the whole language enacts the sense of I'm nobody, you're everything. Please, of your mercy, somehow bestow something on me, right? You have all the answers, all the agency. I'm helpless. All I can do is beg, right? He addresses the patriarch as master. And it's always an interesting question when we hear a word like that. Particularly what what is he master of? In what sense is he the master of the novice? When Hegel wrote about the master-slave dialectic, he stressed the way the master's very identity is dependent on having a slave to boss around. You can't be ma a master unless you're master of somebody. 
right? And the the master is seen as, in the end, needing the slave, being completely dependent on the slave for his identity. Because without the slave, the master has no object on uh, which to exert force and therefore to prove his his strength, his power. How much do we reenact that kind of dichotomy in student-teacher monk-master kinds of uh, relationships? How much are they mutually defining and mutually perpetuating? When we think of the young monk in this story having a moment of enlightenment. What do we imagine that consists of in the context of this dichotomy of bondage and emancipation? Well, we might imagine that suddenly he realizes no one has bound him, that he is free. He is no longer a slave of something. What does that do to the master in that moment? What is he master of? If the bonds that make the novice a slave to something in himself are seen as empty, at the same time the idea that the master has something that he does not equally becomes empty. Now the fact is that most of the time When we're in a one-down position, when we've been a student of some teacher or the employee of some boss, what we want is to one day switch sides. Nobody's going to boss me around. I'll get to be the boss. right? After all these years of being a student, I'll get to be the teacher. The most natural thing in the world is when we're on the the one downside of one of these dichotomies is just want to switch positions. I read somewhere years ago in the Togful that he he said that uh, it was the dream of every slave not to have freedom but to someday have a slave of his own. And one way or another, that is something that most of us uh, really enact uh, in our practice. 
that we don't really know how to imagine stepping outside of he's got it, I don't. <coughs> Finding a way that really dissolves both have and have not. But we practice with the idea of, well, someday I'll have it. There's no question that the structure and the rituals of Zen practice have for a long time embodied the skillful means of teachers acting like they've got it and challenging the students to get it. The form of this practice, me sitting up here, talking about koans, sometimes people don't understand, but I understand them. (laughs) The whole thing, you could say, is designed just to bring out in everybody that latent fantasy of, oh, he's got it, I don't. So we can get it right out on the table and work on it. Just occasionally, however, I suspect that there have been teachers who enjoy the position of having it uh, and be surrounded by students who want it. Uh, That there can be something just a tad gratifying about being in that position that you could get pretty accustomed to if you weren't careful. So what starts off as a skillful means becomes an occupational hazard. That's the dilemma on the teacher's side. and the student's side, I think there's something subtler that goes on. Uh, Not just the projection outward of wisdom and perfection or wholeness or just okayness onto the teacher, but a reenactment within each person of this kind of master-slave dialectic in which one part of a person uh, really tries to subjugate the other and gain mastery uh, through a kind of sadistic discipline of uh, what we will put ourselves through in the name of practice. So that a certain kind of harsh ideal in ourselves makes us practice in a way that can be quite brutal to another part of ourselves, where we deny ourselves any right to be free of pain, be have any right to have any choice, have any right to have any real needs whatsoever. We treat an aspect of ourself as if it was a slave. Uh, And that the way we will achieve mastery in this practice 
is to really totally subjugate a part of ourselves that we think is in some sense the unruly problem. Whether it is our thought that we just want to extirpate, somehow every time thoughts come up we whack them. Or our bodies that we think are somehow the, the root of desire or need for comfort and attachment. So we sit in pain, without sleep, under all sorts of harsh conditions. We're going to somehow break that unruly servant of ours. Right? And the stricter we are, the think the more we think we're fulfilling some ideal and the closer we think we're getting to mastery. And yet there's a very real way in which all we're doing is recapitulating within ourselves this master-slave uh, dialectic. very hard to um, find a way not to simply switch sides or try to eliminate one side of that. I mean, you can have the revolt against all that discipline and just say, you know, whatever, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, the idea that freedom will somehow be just eliminate the master part, eliminate the boss. Right? That's sort of an adolescence version of, well, I don't have to go to school anymore, you know. I just stay home and play games all day, right? Uh, freedom is equated with getting rid of the boss. Um, but this koan and what we try to practice is trying to get rid of the dichotomy of boss and slave, not just get rid of one side of it. And it's much harder to, uh, for all of us to really conceptualize that and find out what that would mean. When on day one I try to give beginners the instruction that practice is like looking in a mirror, your original face immediately appears. You can't do this right or wrong. Right? I try. I try to start out with this idea. You can't do this right or wrong. Nobody believes me. <laughs> I think it's such a great instruction for beginners, but nobody believes me. Right? Um, when we talk about no gain, again, it's trying to get out of that I've got it, you don't picture, right? Nobody believes me. (laughs) So much of what this koan really is about is not just the dissolution of the novice's notion of bondage, but our dissolution of the notion of the master. 
that's what we have to uh, grapple with, particularly after we've done this for a fair amount of time. Just as a thought experiment, what would it be like to imagine a sangha that practices together for years and years, decades and decades, until it becomes a sangha of peers practicing together. Has there ever been such a thing? Can we imagine that? What happens to discipline if there's nobody to discipline you, right? If there's no disciplining, right? Do we, how do we maintain form and motivation and a sense of the meaning if meaning is not all about he's got it and I gotta get it. What else is there? <laughs>